Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Surprise Jab Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Ruger, surprising you with new topics every single week and jabbing you with your daily dose of UFC. And it was a good weekend for UFC. We were able to get a pretty decent event. We were uh, down in Brazil. I mean, wherever you're listening from, Brazil could be to the left, to the right, below you, above you. I don't know, but it was an interesting card, uh, to say the least. Some things we expected, some things we didn't, some ups, some downs. We're going to be covering all of that later when we uh, recap UFC Sao Paulo. But so much fun stuff to talk about on today's episode. Going to be another another good episode. Um, I did have to cut some stuff out of it because I actually did have some stuff uh, planned. But uh, we're going to save that for our 40th episode special. That's right, episode 40. We'll be dropping this Thursday. Going to be a good one. Happy to uh, be bringing episodes every single week. Two episodes every single week usually. Sometimes one, rarely none. That could be, that could be a catchphrase right there. How's that sound? Bringing you two episodes each week, sometimes one, but never none, or but rarely one. Oh no, we can we can work it out. We can work into it a bit. Uh, week nine of the NFL just about complete as well. We're going to be talking all about all the action that's gone down, um, including Thursday's game between the Steelers and the Titans. We'll mention that all the games on Sunday before uh, tonight's game between the Chargers and the Jets in New York. Really need Justin Herbert to uh, turn up, do something good. Actually, I'm playing Justin Herbert in two leagues. I have him in a league, so it's pretty. It's an awkward situation. I just hope the Chargers win because of my pick'em pool. I am uh, sadly it all comes down to this. I either don't tie and uh, I either don't. What was it? What was it? Me and uh, I think I need the Chargers to win so I can tie. So then I don't have to pay money this week. But if the Jets win, then I do have to pay money this week. But because uh, I'm trying, I'm trying to win the pick'em pool. You know who I'm saying? Let's see. On the year, guys, we have gotten 72 correct predictions. I don't have the incorrect total, but uh, we are coming off a crazy 14 and 16 week in week eight. But as for week nine, we have uh, only gotten one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven correct. We have sadly gotten six wrong. So not my not my best performance, but. We'll definitely rally. Also going to be talking about um, episode one of Invincible, um, the Gen V finale. Uh, episode five of Loki, still got to watch. We'll mention that. Check out the NBA, UFC news, college football. I mean, we talk about all sorts of stuff here on the Surprise Jab podcast. Happy to, uh, happy to be here. So we're going to be kicking things off. Um, actually, before I begin, my management presentation is tomorrow. I got my suit already. Um, I did have to FaceTime my dad on how to tie a tie. Tying ties are... Not as easy as I thought. I mean, you, you see everyone with them looking all spiffy, looking all slick, and honestly, it's not, it's not as easy as they make it out to be. But nonetheless, I was able to learn, so hopefully tomorrow's presentation goes well. I might try and get it on video, maybe share some clips on the story or something. We'll see. But um, yes, next week, episode 40, or next episode, not next week, later in the week, we're going to be ranking my top 10 trilogies. Did want to do that today, but uh, I don't really have a list set together. I have my best trilogy. I have like two or three that I know I want to be on there, but I want to make it a good list before I share it. Instead, we're going to be kicking things off with what we always kick things off with, and that is new UFC news. We're the Surprise Jab Podcast. We surprise you with all the new fights, and we're jabbing you. I mean, that's just what we do. But so many announcements. It's, it's just been crazy. 
Earlier in the day while I was at the gym, Dana White decided to drop a 19-second video announcing the ne the first three pay-per-view headliners of 2024, and it's already looking just as big, if not bigger, than all the years we've seen in the past. UFC 297, Sean Strickland will be defending his middleweight championship against Driscus Duplessis. Sean Strickland just beat Israel Adesanya at UFC 293 for the belt. As for Driscus Duplessis, just knocked out Robert Whitaker over the uh, summer. Yeah, wow. UFC 290 in July. Going to be Sean Strickland's first title defense and Driscus Duplessis' first shot at uh, getting a belt. Driscus rides an eight-fight win streak. I mean, just absolutely crazy. Of his 20 victories, 19 by finish. That's just absolutely, absolutely incredible. Um, as for Sean Strickland, coming off the huge just massive upset of uh, Israel Adesanya. I believe he's on a little three-fight win streak. He's beaten Nazardine. He's beaten... Um, who else has he beaten? Sean's beaten uh, Abus Magomedov and, of course, Adesanya. Um, a lot of people were thinking he was going to be fighting Hamzat Chemaev, but it turns out he's not going to be doing that. Probably someone else will be going down for Hamzat Chemaev, who's currently ranked number nine at uh, middleweight for the men. As for um, elsewhere on the UFC 297 card, Myra Bueno Silva will be taking on Hawkwell Pennington for the vacant Women's Bantamweight Championship. Hawkwell is currently ranked number two. Myra is currently ranked number three. Going to be interesting to see how that one goes. Just glad the Women's Bantamweight is going to be filled in. Amanda Nunes has left a gaping hole with no star talent. I mean, quite honestly, Myra Bueno Silva, Hawkwell Pennington are the top two ladies in the weight class. I mean, number one contender, Julia Pena. Hasn't fought since 2022. Uh, when, when did she last fight? Actually, it was in it was in the summer of 2022 is when she last fought. So it has been a long time coming for Julia Pena to fight. Um, I assume maybe we match her up with Holly Holm, Irene Aldana, do something with her. My goodness, but um, yeah, Hakwell Pena versus Mario Bueno Silva. And uh, another fight that's being rumored for UFC 297 is a light heavyweight rematch between number four ranked Jan Blachowicz, the Poland power, and number five ranked Alexander Rakic. I forgot where, I forgot where Alexander Rakic is actually from. Now that I've mentioned it, I mean these. Just uh, he he got injured in May of 2022 against Jan Blachowicz. Actually, hurt his leg, but he is uh, hopefully going to be coming back. I can't remember exactly where he's from, but he's from a European country, and he is super super talented. Of his 14 victories, nine by knockout, one by submission. So Rakic is the man. Happy to have him back, and happy to see Jan Blachowicz hopefully returning back. That Toronto card is looking good. Uh, we were all thinking. Um, uh, Alexander Volkanovsky was supposed to be taking on Ia Topura on that card. That fight's actually going down at UFC 298 in February, according to Dana White. Volkanovsky, your current featherweight champion. Ia Topura, the number five contender, but in reality, he's the number one contender. The last guy he beat was just ranked number five. Ia finally getting his title shot, and Volk going to be making a little turnaround after getting knocked out by Islam Makachev in October. I uh, I don't know. I don't know how that one's going to go. I'm a big Topira fan. I really want to see Volk come back and do something, but I'm feeling like this could be the end of Volkanovski's reign. I'm sorry, guys. I know Topira is just so good. I'm probably going to ride with him, but um, we'll see. 
We'll see UFC 298. No location yet, but going down in February. And for our March pay-per-view, still don't know if UFC 300 is going to be in the end of March or in April. I'm thinking April at this point. But UFC 299, Sean O'Malley will be taking on number six ranked Marlon Vera. His first title defense, the rematch. The only man to ever beat Sean O'Malley is Piotr Jan. Piotr Jan, um, Piotr Jan, I'm sorry, no, Marlon Vera. I accidentally clicked on Piotr Jan's name. On the ranking sheet, Marlon Chito Vera, 21, 8, and 1. 8 wins by knockout, 8 wins by sub. 7 first-round finishes. Oh, my gosh, this guy's been a UFC legend. And in 2020, he became the first man to ever beat and finish Sean O'Malley. Sean's been itching to get that rematch. Now he's got the belt. He calls the shots. That's what's going to be next. I'm super pumped. I'm, su- I'm super pumped to see that matchup. Um, I'm hope- hopefully, hopefully, um, all these fights are able to stay together. But um, yeah, keeping the ball rolling. It's just been just been a good run for Sean O'Malley. Wins the belt over Aljamain. Gets his rematch. I love it. My early predictions. Probably going with Sean O'Malley over Marlon Vera. Probably going with Ito Pira over Volkanovski. And probably going with Driscus Duplessis over um, Sean Strickland for all the big headliners. Um, in some smaller news, I've been hearing some rumblings that um, Song Ye Dong is actually going to be on the UFC Shanghai card December 9th. He'll be taking on number 14th ranked Chris Gutierrez. Song is ranked number 7. He's originally supposed to be the main event that fell through. Of course, the new main event is rumored to be a middleweight clash between number 12-ranked Nazardine Imavov and number 7-ranked Roman Dolodize. But I'm very happy to have Song Ye Dong on um, on the card because I love um, I love Song Ye Dong, such a talented fighter. And um, it, was, it was a shame seeing that his fight got canceled. But hopefully that fight can uh, come to fruition. I was trying to find the source of where I got that because I swore there was another little announcement that was made. Um, it came from a, the MMA matchmaker source was. Uh, oh, so apparently the Song Dong is supposed to be the main event. Uh, ooh, I have no idea that. I don't know what the main event's gonna be. I suppose. Well, I suppose we'll just have to wait and see. My goodness, I thought we. I thought it was set. I thought it was set in stone what was going on. I I guess nothing was set in stone. Now I'm just confused. But yeah, Song Dong will be there. Um, the UFC Shanghai card, actually. Prelims start at 4 a.m. Central. Main card at 7 a.m. Central. So we're going to be waking up early on December 9th. Hopefully I don't go too hard the night before so I can actually watch UFC Shanghai. Hi, but... um. We look ahead this week to UFC 295. Cannot wait to talk about all those fights. The big uh, the big fights between Alex Pajera and Jury Prochaska for the vacant light heavyweight championship and a matchup between Sergey Pavlovich and Tom Aspinall for the interim light heavyweight championship. Those are just going to be two absolute wars. So, 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 so pumped for both of those fights. We're going to be talking about all that later on in the week, but... um. Stay tuned for that. But yeah, big fights being announced. Happy to um happy to be covering it all. UFC 297 in Toronto, Canada. Can we bring an event to Minnesota, please? Can we please? I mean, we're going to Canada. Why can't we at least come to Minnesota? Minnesota. Me and my, my Minnesota friends. We would like to go to a UFC event. Would really much appreciate that. 
in the sports world, just in general, we'll do our little NBA check-in where we check in on the rosters, or not the rosters, just the standings. As of right now, the Boston Celtics are still undefeated 5-0. and The win streak continues in second in the Eastern Conference. 76ers are 4-1, and Hawks 4-2, and Magic 4-2. and Bucks are at 3-2. and Number five team, Wizards at the bottom, 1-4, and three-game losing streak. In the Western Conference, Nuggets are uh, at the top now, 6-1 and one on a two-game win streak. Mavericks, 5-1. and one. Warriors, 5-2. and two. Pelicans, 4-2. and two. And the Timberwolves at 3-2 and two have worked their way up to the number five spot in the rankings. I don't know how long that will last, but uh, Grizzlies, 1-6 and six now. Every NBA team has a win now. Even if, even if they suck, they still have a win. But the Celtics still doing it, 5-0. and oh. I'll be interested to see how the Clippers turn out with James Harden landing there. They're currently 3-2. and two. I believe he's going to be playing his first game with Kawhi, with Paul George, with um, Russell Westbrook. I mean, that's just a loaded lineup. That's going to be uh, such a fun team to watch. Even though I don't really watch the NBA, I, I'm pretty sure the only time I check it is whenever I uh, am on the podcast and I'm just thinking like, oh, yeah, let me just look at the uh, look at the roster real quick. But um, Hey, there's that in my um, – Fantasy basketball leagues, I think I'm 2-0 and in my random league and 0-1 and in the one with my friends. But you know what? I have a good time with that. I, re- I really do. It, it is pretty fun, uh, especially since I don't I don't know too much about NBA. I used to be way more, I used to be a way bigger fan back when I actually played, back in like elementary school, start of high school. So i kind of gotten out of it, but I mean, NBA is still the NBA. It's one of the big four sports leagues. Actually, let's check on uh, let's check on the NHL for all my NHL fans. I'll give y'all a little. Um, we'll take a little look at the uh, rankings right now. Bruins at the top of the Atlantic Division, nine and one and one. Wow, very impressive record from them. Stars are ahead of the Central, seven and two and one. Wild are four, five and two. Seventh in the Central Division, uh, Metropolitan Division. Rangers are eight, two, and one, looking pretty dominant. Golden Knights atop the Pacific and atop the entire NHL at eleven, one and one. And the San Jose Sharks are oh, ten and one, an eleven-game losing streak while they are yet to win. Holy cow! Is any team even close to being that bad? No, not even. Wow! Every team besides them has at least two wins. Oilers are two, seven and one. Wow. That's crazy. 11 games in, your team hasn't even won. I don't even know what to make of that. But uh, Bruins, Golden Knights, out to a hot start. So are the Rangers, honestly. Rangers, honestly, not looking too bad. If I ever get uh, Jaden and Cole back on, we can definitely mention the... um, Talk more about the NHL. They're my NHL experts. That's where I get get all my NHL news from. Uh, Speaking of... uh, Things kicking off, things coming to an end. The uh, season finale of Gen V, me and my friend, my roommate Seth, we watched it last, uh, or this weekend. I think we watched it Friday, and boy, did it not disappoint. Absolutely crazy. Definitely going to lead directly into the boys. So, um, spoiler warning for anyone that uh, anyone that hasn't seen it. I doubt anyone that's listening to this hasn't seen it or cares enough to uh, have a spoiler warning. But, I mean, basically... I'm trying to recall what happened, but basically the kids, the main group, you know, Marie, the bloodbender, you had Sam, who was a golden boy's uh, brother or whatever, the girl that shrinks, I mean, you had the one uh, gender-changing person, the one lady that lies, um, or not lies, that can read minds, uh, what's his name, Polarity's son, can't believe I, I watched the whole season, and I just cannot remember the names, that's what happens when you go week week a full week without seeing uh, episodes that's why i like when i can binge stuff i can watch it whenever i want i feel like then i remember names more 
But yeah, basically, they, uh, the, who is it? Um, oh, the blonde chick, who whoever's hand she touches, she can tell them what to do. She breaks down into the, the woods, which is the woods is like where they were hiding all of the soups and are the ones that they were testing the virus on. They uh, bring her, uh, she goes down there, frees everyone. They go out and she says, basically, kill all non-soups. They start going to warn Ashley, Ashley from The Voice, the PR lady of from Vought. She's there on campus doing like a meeting and they start getting attacked and she calls in, spoiler warning here, Homelander. Homelander makes an appearance absolutely crazy. You think he kills Marie to end the episode. Turns out he doesn't. Turns out he doesn't do that. And Marie, Marie, the one lady who shrinks... Um, polarity and the gender changing, whatever that person, Jordan, that's her, that's her, his name, whatever, that's their name, if you want to say that. Um, they, uh, they're all in like some, uh, what am I trying to say? Some doorless, some windowless room, just like, you know, where you like people, they put straight jackets in, but with no door. So there's nowhere to go. Homelander's watching from a TV. He had a badass line, blasted people with his eyes. I mean, Homelander, one of the best uh, antagonists, anti-heroes or whatever, a hero. Who knows what he is, but um, super cool seeing him. And then the post credit scene, you see Billy Butcher down in the woods looking for stuff. He drops his iconic, diabolical C-word line. Gotta love Billy Butcher. I don't know when the fourth season of The Boys is going to come out, but I hope it comes out soon because it is so freaking good. Love The Boys. The show similar to The Boys, animated show on Amazon Prime as well, is Invincible. The second season debuted all as well with their first episode. Super good. Loved seeing um, Invincible Mark doing his thing uh, back to his ways. I mean, I'm pretty sure it was just a typical intro back into the um, back into the new uh, new season. There was like this new guy that like portal shifts. I think they're gonna dive into the multiverse, but not like multiverse with like alternate versions of them, just alternate scenarios. Like it started off with a scenario where Mark and Omni Man teamed up, so Invincible and uh, Omni Man were taking over the world and stuff and brought up bring them into the Viltrum Empire. But yeah, Mark in the normal universe, still cool. Invincible's awesome. And they kept teasing us with the title card. If no one remembers from season one, whenever they went to say Invincible's name for the first time, the title card would be shown and some blood would splatter on it. But now, it ended the enti- it ended the episode with it. They kept teasing us. They kept saying Invincible at multiple points, which I thought is a super cool addition for this season. But uh, yeah, basically the episode ends with the blue guys. You know, who are they? The, the Basher twins or whatever the clones, whatever they are, they basically get like kidnapped through a portal by this guy who says he wants to help Mark, help Invincible, but instead he becomes deformed. Well, he tries to like uh, absolve like all different versions of him into his head. Super weird. He like has like a giant brain now. It looks absolutely gross. Who knows what's going on with all that, but uh, no Omni-Man in this episode, but hey, I'm here for it. Eight episodes of it uh, should be running into... January or December? I can't really remember. I think it's going to run to December. I'm here every Friday to watch it. I really got to take notes, though. Really got to take notes because uh, I can't really remember. I really I really like when they do, like, the recaps before the episodes because sometimes I forget everything that's going on. Such as for Loki because Loki Episode 5 came out last uh, last uh, Wednesday it was. I'm yet to watch it. I might actually watch it with dinner tonight because I probably, probably should. Um... It's been a mediocre season. I haven't been that uh, that involved in it. Marvel's been really lacking lately, and the se- season finale, season two finale, is uh, going down. <laughs> Literally, 
on freaking uh, Wednesday. I mean, such a short, such a short season, uh, six episodes. So I'll have to watch it, give my thoughts on it. But hey, it is, it is what it is. Loki's Loki, but uh, MCU's been lacking. I have no plans to see the Marvels. And there was a time I was all about watching um, Marvel shows, Marvel everything. But now, no. Now I just, there's no real interest in it anymore. It's become so dull, unfortunately. But, hey, that's just how it goes. What's not been dull has been the college football, um, just the college football in general, this whole season, this whole year. Everything's been super interesting. And we're back with a new updated top 25. Very well. I always enjoy looking at the top 25 every week when it updates, seeing all the changes. So without a doubt, let's um, let's go over them all. We got 25 teams. We'll see who's currently in the college football playoffs. At number 25, undefeated still, 9-0. Liberty Flames finally threw them in there. They weren't ranked at all this season, but you're 9-0 now. you got to put them in the rankings. In Week 10 this past week, defeated Louisiana Tech 56-30. Flames are 9-0 for the first time in program history. Thanks to four touchdown passes from their star QB, Caden Salter. They'll play Old Dominion next Saturday at 1. Liberty, you know, it's uh, good for them. Very good for them. Uh, I always like seeing these teams that are are not really known, like the Liberty Flames for football, and they're doing their thing. They're 9-0, and and they get some recognition in the top 25. At number 24, we got a basketball school here, the North Carolina Tar Heels. 7-2, and two, they were not ranked last week. They were One time they were in the rankings, but not anymore after just having a decent year. They defeated the uh, irrelevant Campbell University 59-7. Drake May threw for four touchdowns, basically in a get-well game following a consecutive four-point losses to Virginia and Georgia Tech, which completely derailed the season. Good for UNC, but you guys are a basketball school. At number 23, uh, not ranked last week, the Arizona Wildcats. Another basketball school, I'd say. I feel I feel like the Arizona Wildcats are a basketball school. They defeated UCLA 27-10. Uh, Arizona is actually the second team ever to win three consecutive games against AP-ranked opponents while being unranked in all three. The Wildcats are actually now bowl eligible for the first time since 2017. They'll play Colorado next Saturday. Colorado. Colorado, um, the stint with, uh, what's his name, Deion Sanders, clearly has not worked out well. They gained a lot of popularity. They started off, what, 2-0, 3-0 this season, but... Since then, have kind of derailed. No longer ranked. But yeah, Arizona, 6-3 and three on a little three-game win streak against AP Top 25 teams. At number 22, we have Notre Dame. They were previously ranked 12 last week. A huge 10-spot drop-off. Ugh, they lost to Clemson 31-23. to And Sam Hartman, the Giga Chad-looking QB, is now 0-5 in his career against Clemson. The first Power 5 starting QB to go 0-5 against a single opponent since Florida State's Chris Ricks did against Miami. They'll play Wake Forest November 18th at 3.30. Look, Sam Hartman, he's a stud with his uh, great jawline, his flowy hair, his beard. But Notre Dame, you guys have fallen off, man. You were, you were in the top 10, and now you're 22. At number 21, one of my favorite teams of the season, James Madison Dukes, the James Madison Dukes from James Madison University. They were ranked 20, 23 last week. They're now ranked 21. They're a perfect 9-0 after they defeated Georgia State 42-14. And it was Jordan McLeod's second game of the season with multiple passing touchdowns. Their QB and rushing scores. He got four through the air and two on the ground, six total. They'll play UConn next Saturday at 2 p.m., my goodness, I just I love this James Madison team. They're nine and zero. They're actually not even eligible 
to be in, I think, the cultural ball playoffs for some reason. I don't know why. I just I saw that somewhere. So I think it's funny that they've been killing it this year, but uh, can't even make the championship. At number 20, jumping up a spot from 21 last week, the 8-1 Tulane Green Wave that defeated East Carolina 13-10. Now, it was their fewest points in a win since 2014. They Back in 2014, they beat UConn 12-3. But nonetheless, Tulane got it done against East Carolina. They'll play Tulsa at noon next Saturday. But um, you know what? The Tulane Green Wave, 8-1 season. Good football program for you guys this year. Good for you. Jumping up three spots from 22 last week, we had number 19. We got the Kansas Jayhawks. They're 7-2. Defeated Ohio State last week, 28-21. And they actually clinched their first ever seven-win season since 2008. In 2008, they went 8-5. Their best uh, best year uh, since then has been this year. They'll play Texas Tech next Saturday. But yeah, just another basketball school. But Kansas, super popular. Nothing to do in the vicinity. I actually had a professor who went to Kansas. Told us there's not much to do out there. But uh, Kansas Jayhawks, y'all got some good sports teams. Dropping five spots from 13 to 18 now is the LSU Tigers. Lost to Alabama 42-28. to 6-3, Jaden Daniels threw for 219 yards and two scores while rushing for 163 yards and an additional score before leaving the game following a Dallas Turner hit. Tough loss for the LSU Tigers. At least you got baby Gronk and Livy done. And Joe Burrow will forever have that amazing year with you guys. And what was that, 2018? Something like that, 2018, 2019? I can't really recall, but uh, good stuff for the LSU Tigers. Um, still being in the rankings, at least. Um, they play Florida next Saturday, but, man, tough luck for them. At number 17, dropping seven spots from number 10. Oh, this was a tough one. The Oklahoma Sooners, they lost to Oklahoma State 27-24 to this past weekend. They're now 7-2. and This was actually the first game of the season that their QB, Dylan Gabriel, had multiple turnovers and was not responsible for multiple touchdowns. They'll play West Virginia next Saturday, but... Oklahoma, there's a chance you could have made the college football playoffs, but no more. No more will you make it. You're sadly out, and you're out of the top 10, which is brutal. Dropping four spots, um, dropping two spots, I should say, is the Missouri Tigers. They were 14 last week. They're 16 this week. 7-2 and two on the year. They did lose to Georgia 30-21. to 21. Cody Schrader rushed 22 times for 112 yards, making him the first player to rush for more than 100 yards against Georgia since Kentucky's Chris Rodriguez Jr. did it on Halloween Day of 2020. They'll play Tennessee next Saturday, so no easy going for the Missouri Tigers. I think some chick who was a couple years older than my grade in high school actually went to Missouri. Uh, that's, the only, that's all I know about Missouri, but uh, out of the top 15. Kicking off the top 15 is a, a team that wasn't even ranked last week. The Oklahoma State Cowboys, OSU, weren't ranked last week. They defeat Oklahoma 27-24, get their spot in the rankings, 7-2 and on the year. The Cowboys have actually won two of the final three Bedlam matchups after winning only two of the first 16 in Coach Mike Gundy's tenure. They'll be um, playing uh, UCF next Saturday. Going to be a good one. Going to be a good one. Good for Oklahoma State. At number 14, moving up five spots from last week, is the Tennessee Volunteers, 7-2. and two. They blew out UConn 59-3. to three. I mean, it didn't even look like a game. It looked just like, it's like you were playing your younger brother who doesn't know how to play Xbox in Madden, and you're just destroying him. 
thanks in part to three defensive touchdowns, the Vols won their 13th consecutive home game, third longest FBS streak behind only Georgia and Michigan. It's Tennessee's longest home streak since it won 23 in a row from 1996 to 2000. They'll play Missouri next Saturday. Should keep it rolling. Good stuff from Tennessee. Good in basketball, good in football. At number 13, jumping up five spots, we got the Utah Utes. 7-2, and two, they defeated Arizona State 55-3. to three. Wow, what a blowout. What an absolute blowout. Bryson Barnes completed 19 of 28 passes for 161 yards and a career-high four touchdowns. They'll play Washington next Saturday, so a tough one for the Utes. But um, you know what? You guys have been having a good year. And now you're ranked in the top 15. How about that? At number 12, it's been a sad fall from grace for the Oregon State Beavers, but they did defeat Colorado 26-19, derailing the hype train yet even more. Um, they were ranked 16 last week, so jumping up four spots. They're 7-2, and two, um, and they've actually started 7-2 and two for the first time since 2012, and they actually ran that streak of rushing. They have a streak of rushing for at least 125 yards to 23 consecutive games, the third longest streak in uh, college football. They'll play Stanford next Saturday, but um, yeah, you know what? Good for good for you guys. Oregon State Beavers. Not much goes on in Oregon. I won't lie. I know there's some mysterious happenings that go on up there, but nothing I know of. Jumping up four spots from 15 is the Louisville Cardinals. They're eight and one. They defeated Virginia Tech 34 to three. Sadly. Cardinals have now won 10 consecutive home games, all by double digits. They'll play Virginia Thursday at 7:30 on ESPN. Louisville make Lamar proud. Getting to the top 10 was a team that was ranked 11 last week, but after defeating Texas A&M 38-35 and moving to a beautiful 8-1 record, the Old Miss Rebels find themselves in the top 10. Quishon Judkins rushed for 102 yards and three touchdowns in their victory. He now has 28 touchdowns rushing in um, the second most in program history. Unfortunately for Ole Miss, they will play the juggernauts, that is Georgia, so don't expect too much from them next week, but Ole Miss, you've had a good year. At number nine, same as they were last week, Penn State, the Nittany Lions. 8-1, they defeated Maryland, 51-15, blowout. Um, they actually held Maryland to negative 49 yards. Huh, the fewest it has allowed since 1947. What the heck? Negative 49 yards, how do you even do that? How do you even do that? We might need to look at the stat sheet or something. Wow. Marilyn, what are you doing? They'll play Michigan next Saturday at noon on Fox. So um, bye-bye, Penn State. Michigan's going to run through ya. Same as they were last week, Alabama at number 8. They're 8-1. Defeat LSU, as we mentioned earlier, 42-28. to Jalen Milroy became the first Alabama quarterback to rush for four touchdowns in a single game. How about that, Jalen? You should become a running back now. But um, unless you want to be like Josh Dobbs and rush in for a touchdown, we'll we'll take that if you're a, if you're an Alabama fan at least. They'll play Kentucky at noon next Saturday. Um, Alabama trying to squeeze their way into the football playoffs. We'll see if they can. Same as they were last week. Texas Longhorns at seven. They're eight and one. They defeated Kansas State in overtime, thirty-three to thirty. They uh, hung on. I mean, they avoided blowing a twenty-point second-half lead for the first time in school history. Um, they'll play TCU next Saturday, but Texas. Archie Manning incoming. 
The number six Oregon Ducks, same as they were last week. Nothing's changed. They defeat Cal 63 to 19 while they put up 63 points. That's crazy. An eight and one record for the year. Bo Nix threw for 386 yards and four touchdowns while also rushing for two touchdowns. And he is only the third player in college football history with 90 career passing touchdowns and 35 career rushing scores. This guy's going to be a unit in the NFL. Hopefully. They play USC next Saturday at 10.30 p.m. Not really much has changed when we come to our uh, top five. Actually, looking at it, top eight teams. Everyone's just remained the same, so nothing fun at the top, sadly. At number five, we have the Washington Huskies. Defeated USC 52-42. to Dylan Johnson had 199 of his career-high 256 rushing yards before contact, even the most rushing yards before contact by a college football player in a game this season. They play Utah next Saturday. Washington, get ready for the playoffs. At number four, we have the Florida State Seminoles. 9-0 still defeated Pitt 24-7, and they clinched the spot in the ACC title game for the first time since 2014. They'll play Miami on ABC next Saturday. Good job keeping your number four spot, FSU. At number three, Ohio State, they defeated Rutgers 35-16, to 9-0 still, number three spot. Marvin Harrison Jr. has now caught a touchdown pass in five straight games as he scored twice to tie Chris Carter for fourth most receiving touchdowns in school history. We'll have a fun one against Michigan State next Saturday at 7.30 p.m. On NBC, they get the primetime game. At number two, still doing their thing, Michigan Wolverines blow out Purdue 41-13, to 9-0 still. They've won 27 consecutive regular season games, the longest streak in college football history, um, I believe at the moment. I don't know if of all time. Thanks to uh, Blake Corum's three rushing touchdowns, they got Penn State next Saturday at noon. But man, doing their thing. And the juggernauts, the powerhouses. Number one, Georgia, the Bulldogs, 9-0. Defeated Missouri 30-21, to so Missouri did put up a fight. But the Dogs extended their winning streak to 26 games. And 42 out of 43 games, by the way, thanks to uh, two touchdown passes from Carson Beck. That's just incredible. They have won 42 of their last 43 games. That is that is quite the stat. We'll be looking ahead to next weekend for all the fun matchups. But man, college football, college football is just so fun. I just always like this top 25 rankings and stuff. I find that so fascinating. And actually, college basketball going to be kicking off soon. I cannot wait till we get into March Madness time. That's going to be coming up soon. But there's just been there's so much hype this season. We get to see Bronny James without a doubt, LeBron James's son. That's going to be a focal point, um, just personally for me. But as of right now, I mean, Kansas is currently ranked number one in their top 25. Duke at two. Purdue at three. Michigan State four. Marquette's at five. UConn's at six. Houston at seven. Tessie at nine. Arizona at 12. A couple of teams are playing today. Miami 13th. Arkansas 14th. Texas A&M 15th. Kentucky 16th. South Dakota State 17th. South Dakota State always seems to do good in basketball. It's pretty crazy. Oh, wait, that's San Diego State, not South Dakota State. Wrong SDSU. Texas at 18, UNC 19, USC at 21, Villanova at 20, uh, ooh, 22 for Villanova, St. Mary's at 23, Alabama 24, and Illinois sneaking in there at 25. I wonder how um, Minnesota Gophers are going to do this year. I'll be interested to see. Uh, I mean, just college football. College, college football comes to an end. College basketball kicks off. Currently right now, uh, Oregon leads Georgia 42-30. But, uh, yeah, we got, we got a long time coming before um, we get any more. Uh, like, I always wait to get into, like, middle of the season before we start actually analyzing everything to expect for the rest of the year. College basketball, very entertaining. College football, very entertaining. 
And we uh, now know who's all in uh, the college football playoffs. No, actually, not quite. There are still a few things that could happen, but I don't know. I feel like it's pretty set at the top, the top six teams. We'll see what uh, we'll see what occurs in the final um, final few weeks coming up now as November comes to an end. November rain, then December is upon us, and then Christmas. Very pumped for Christmas. One of the best times of the year. But I'll tell you what is my favorite part of the year. It's NFL time. I mean, NFL season. One of the one of the best, if not the best, sports. In my personal opinion, it's my favorite sport. Behind mixed martial arts, of course. But I mean, there's just something about football, especially the Vikings, that really builds my suspense. Like I genuinely care how I how how the Vikings do, which I love. And the Vikings have been doing their thing this year, surprising so many people. And Week Nine brought tons and tons of um, shocking moments but um i'm gonna take a quick little break and then i'll be back to break down every game that went down currently we still have monday night football in week number nine Alrighty, so week week where are we in now this is this is absolutely crazy we're in week nine now aren't we week nine of the nfl it was a it was a pretty good week week nine Brought uh, brought a lot of highs, brought a lot of lows. As a Vikings fan, it brought some highs. But um, yeah, without a doubt, let's dive into every matchup and talk about some fancy performances, the standings, how every team's looking. It was a good week of football. We kicked things off on Thursday night football with a matchup between the Steelers and the Titans. A barn burner back and forth, twenty to sixteen. It goes to the Steelers. I didn't have them winning, but. They, they did their thing. Okay, kudos to them. Kudos to the Steelers. They uh, they were able to get it done. They're now 5-3. and three. Still minus, minus 30 in the points for the points against, but uh, nonetheless impressive as could be. Um, I just want to make sure these... Are these updated? Is this rankings updated? It is. Okay, just wanted to double check that. But yeah, Derrick Henry was pretty much the only good thing for Tennessee. Rushed for 75 yards and a touchdown and caught three catches for 27 yards. Will Levis, uh, 262 yards and a pick. Wasn't necessarily having the best day, personally. Only eight fancy points. But Pittsburgh, man, they did their thing. Kenny Pickett, 160 yards and a touchdown. Najee Harris rushed for 69 yards and a touchdown. Actually, What's his name? Jaron Ward rushed for 88 yards. Deontay Johnson, seven catches, 90 yards, and a tutty. Uh, Jaron Ward, three catches, 25 yards. Like I said, not it wasn't the most entertaining game, but Steelers get it done. At the end of the day, that's all you can ask for at times. Titans are now three and five, minus 12 point differential. It's you know it's crazy to think that the Colts and Texans are doing better than the Titans, but that's just the world we live in now. Good job to the Steelers. Uh, you know, Kenny Pickett, he he um he looked decent. He looked decent. We'll say he does not put up stats. He doesn't really put up stats. He just gets the job done. And this is this is one of the most awkward five and three teams I've seen on the year. But uh, next weekend, Steelers will uh, be hosting the Packers. So without a doubt, another winnable game for the Steelers. As for the Titans, um, back to the grind as they will be taking on the, um, I cannot find them, the Buccaneers. That's actually a winnable game there for the Titans. We'll, uh, we'll see how things turn out for them. Heading into our next game, we have the Dolphins and the Chiefs in Frankfurt. Or was it in Frankfurt, Germany? I think it was, I know it was in Germany. But um, Chiefs come out on top 21-14. to 14. They were up. 21 rip at halftime and then proceeded to score nothing, do nothing in the second half. They give up two touchdowns, almost lost the game. But uh, Chiefs, they get the victory and they remain atop the AFC. 
good for them. That's all I can say. Dolphins, another tough loss. Dolphins are now, uh, what are they? Dolphins are 6-0 and against teams without a winning record and 0-3 against teams with a winning record. A perfect stat to keep in mind as we look forward every week. But um, Dolphins will actually go on a bye next week, as will the Chiefs. So both these teams will get a rest. But, I mean, Chiefs. Seven and two now. All right, two hundred eight points for, one hundred forty three points against. Getting it done. That's all I can say. Dolphins still atop the AFC East. Jets, Bills, um, coming up on them. But uh, you know what? This is the best offense in the league. They have plus sixty point differential. But you got to pull together at the end. You really got to pull it together. No real stars in the game. Patrick Mahomes had fifteen point eight fantasy points. Threw for eight hundred eighty five yards and two touchdowns. Rushed for twenty four yards. I mean, Noah Gray, three catches, 34 yards, was the leading wide receiver. Kelsey only had three catches for 14 yards. Lone touchdown went to Rashid. Oh, no. Touchdown pass for Rasheed Rice. And Jared McKinnon also caught a touchdown. So, um, check out 66 yards. Nothing much. Miami, two 193 yards and touchdown. He was held. He was restrained. But Raheem Mostert, 14 fantasy points, 85 yards and touchdown. He was doing all he could. Tyreek Hill led the day, eight catches, 62 yards. Jeff Wilson Jr., one catch, 31 yards for a touchdown, was the only passing touchdown for Tua. I just, this Dolphins team is not going to go far if they cannot beat winning teams. Their losses are now to the Eagles, Bills, and Chiefs. And unfortunately for them, those are teams that they will probably run into in the future if they continue on their winning ways. That's for the Chiefs, you know, they, they, they've looked kind of rough these last three weeks. They just have not looked themselves. A bye week will treat both of these teams well as they assess what to do. But the Chiefs are easily going to win the AFC West by a long shot. I mean, the Raiders are 4-5, and five, Chargers 3-4, and four, Broncos 3-5. and five. So um, Chiefs, even if the wins are sloppy, wins a wins a wins a win. Next up, we have the Ravens in the Seahawks. Biggest blowout of the week. Ravens win 37-3. to I had no idea what to make of that. I'm so glad that I was not riding with them. Any, uh, I didn't pick the Seahawks to win that game, but uh, man, Ravens looking good. 7-2 and two now. Top of the AFC North by two games. They have a beautiful, oh my gosh, oh, they have 100 Oh my gosh, I didn't realize this. The Ravens might be the first team with a positive, with over 100 points, four points against. They have a plus 115 point differential. Wow. Plus 115 point differential. Four game win streak. The defense was massive in this one. Holy cow. Uh, Leading rusher for Baltimore, Kay Mitchell, rushed nine times for 138 yards and a touchdown. Lamar rushed the most times, or actually he rushed for 60 yards. Uh, Justice Hill rushed for 40 yards, and Gus Edwards punched in two tutties, rushing for 52 yards. Love you, Gus. You are—I freaking love Gus Edwards, man. I love him. Mark Andrews, nine catches, 80 yards. Odell Beckham, five catches, 56 yards, and a touchdown. I honestly forget so forget Odell's even in the league. Passing-wise, Lamar, 187 yards, and then T. Huntley came in, 38 yards, and a touchdown. So I don't know if Lamar got hurt. I do not know anything about that. I actually might— I might check that out right now. I have no idea why Huntley was in the game. I'm I'm actually very kind of kind of interested to see this. Does anyone know if something's up? I don't think anyone's up. But uh, man, Keaton Mitchell put up 20 fantasy points. I doubt a single human being had him on their fantasy team. There's just no shot. There's no shot. Uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba. He led the day for the Seahawks. 12.3. Fantasy points on uh, six catches for 63 yards. Kenneth Walker, 16 yards rushing. Charbonnet, eight. Geno Smith, 
four. Gino threw for 157 yards and a pick. Wow, Ravens D came up massive in this one. My goodness. Seahawks, man, I you know, NFC, it's they're, they're second now in the NFC West, tied at five and three with the 49ers, minus four point differential. Gotta string some wins together if you guys want to compete. I don't really know what to tell you, but the Ravens are just scorching, looking beautiful week in and week out. This Ravens team, it could be something special. They'll be hosting the Browns next week, so a big defensive battle in that one without a doubt. And as for the Seahawks, they'll be taking on the Commanders, so a winnable game there for them. But uh, I don't know. I don't know how it'll turn out if you guys perform like you did in this one. Um, I will say, you know, being on the road for the Seahawks always offers its challenges, especially when you're in Baltimore. But you, you, there's not really an excuse for losing 37-3. to The offense was just held to nothing, held to absolutely nothing. Let's keep moving along. Browns blow out the Cardinals 27 to rip. I don't even know what to make of that Cardinals, Steve. They are just the worst team in the NFL. Browns, though, my goodness, what's going on? Five and three now? You have almost a plus 50 point differential? I mean, the team found itself today. This this Browns team looked amazing. They looked unstoppable. And now they're tied for second in the AFC North. Five and three from the Steelers, Browns, and Bengals. AFC North, the best division in football currently. Just incredible, incredible stuff. My goodness. Let's talk about it. Amari Cooper giving me 24.9 fantasy points. Cleveland D, 23 points. Deshaun Watson, 18.96 fantasy points. Deshaun threw for 219 yards and two touchdowns, his best game of the year. Rushed for 22 yards. Kareem punched in a tutty on 38 yards rushing. Amari Cooper, though, five catches, 139 yards and a touchdown. David Njoku even caught a tutty on one of his four catches. Good stuff from Cleveland, man. You know, if I'm a Browns fan, I'm feeling some hope from this one. I'm honestly feeling some momentum. I'm feeling maybe like a like a changing of the guard or something. I don't know. I ride this high. As a Vikings fan, you know, when you have uh, good weeks, you ride that high. Uh, so, yeah, good for the Browns. Very happy for them. The Browns next week, I just mentioned them, didn't I? They'll be playing the Ravens. Big defensive battle there. We'll see what it brings. As for the Cardinals, you guys didn't even score. Uh, Tune, what's his freaking name? Josh Tune? I, I, don't, even, I don't even know his name. What, what, what's their backup QB's name? Uh, let, let's honestly find it. Jeff Driscoll? No. Should have played Jeff Driscoll, judging by how well they performed. Um, it's Toon. It's Toon. What is Toon's first name? Is it Aaron? Is it Malcolm? Kyler Murray? No, not Kyler Murray. All right, so we have the third string. We have the first string. Oh, my gosh, he didn't even pop up. His name didn't even pop up when I uh, when I searched it up. <laughs> Oh my goodness, so we're going to have to look up AZQB. I mean, Cardinals, I, I have no I um, I have no idea what to even say. You guys are 1-8. That is that's just atrocious. That's absolutely atrocious. I mean, oof, just terrible. Clayton Toon, thank you. Thank you, Clayton Toon, irrelevant as could be. Just put up a pitiful, just a pitiful performance. 58 yards on 11 completions, two picks. Rushing, I mean, two and rush for 28 yards. Kay Ingram rush for eight yards. Leading wide receiver with four catches for 24 yards, McQuise Brown. Wow, best fantasy performer, too, with 6.4 points. T. McBride, only 5.2 points. Really let me down there. I was expecting big things from him. But, man, I mean, one and eight. 
you have almost a minus 100 point differential. Minus, not plus, minus. I mean, my goodness. This six-game losing streak, I mean, wow. Competing with the Panthers for the worst team in football is the Arizona Cardinals. Just atrocious. Just atrocious. Um, Next week, they will be playing. Who the Cardinals got next week? Anyone of Falcons? You know what? That's a winnable game, but I'm not going to pick them to win that game. Just atrocious. Game of the week, though. I mean, honestly, it probably was game of the week, maybe even game of the year. But uh, honestly, I thought the Vikings game was more fun. Texans beat the Bucks 39-37. to Just a... Just a, wow, who saw this one coming? This is just a crazy, crazy performance from C.J. Stroud in this game. Oh, my goodness. Just, let's go right into it. Let's go right to C.J. Stroud's stats. 470 yards, five touchdowns, a 40-second game-winning drive. Texans were unstoppable. Devin Singletary, um, 26 yards rushing led the day. He actually went out. And the, who was it? I think it was Boone, who was their backup kicker, scored a field goal. I mean, just crazy, crazy stuff. Um, Brown. Who's Brown? Noah Brown? Well, Brown or whatever. Brown for the uh, uh, Texans had six catches for 153 yards and a touchdown. No idea who that is. Dalton Schultz, 10 catches for 130 yards and a touchdown. He was, oh my gosh, just incredible. Nico Collins, three catches, 54 yards and a touchdown. Tank Dell, six catches, 114 yards, two touchdowns. Doing their thing, man. CJ Stroud, 41.8 fantasy points. Tank Dell, 29.6 fantasy points. Noah Brown, I'm pretty sure it is, 27.3 fantasy points. I know this is a shame because let's not take it away from the Bucks. They did their thing. Shad White rushed for 73 yards and two touchdowns. Baker threw for two touchdowns, 265 yards. Mike Evans, four catches, 87 yards. Ottoman, six catches, 70 yards, two touchdowns. Palmer had three catches, 51 yards. I mean, man, oh, man, what even a... He started things out. Nico Collins, Tuddy, Kate Auden, Tuddy, Rashad White. Um, any picks from the uh, Buccaneers D? Kind of confused. Um, how they didn't. Uh, am I counting this up wrong? Am I doing my math? Were there a lot of field goals in this game? Two touchdowns. That's four. Um, I have no idea. But yeah, just absolute barn burner. Texans pull it out in the win. Did not see that coming. Pull it out in the end. Um, Texans, man. Wow. Four and four. Second in the AFC South. Plus 22-point differential. Good for you guys. Good for them. As for the Bucks, just another another week. You lose a close game, and it just adds up. 3-5 and five now, four-game losing streak. Only minus nine-point differential. It's been, it's been a hard fall off from them, and they're now two games back from top of the NFC South. Going to need big things next week when they host the Titans. As for the, as for the Texans, I mean, keep the momentum rolling, gentlemen. Playing the Bengals, though. Probably going to lose that one. But uh, C.J. Stroud, you turned out to be probably the best QB from this uh, past draft class. So good for you. Bears and Saints. I mean, this was close for a while. Saints edged it out in the end, 24-17. to It was 14-14 and a half. Both teams got field goals in the third. But then it was a three-yard touchdown pass from Taysom Hill to Jawan Johnson. That sealed the game in favor of the Saints. But yeah, good performance from Taysom Hill in this one. This guy is a stud. This guy is really a stud, and it's honestly he he just runs the Saints. He runs the Saints for him. As for the Saints, five and four now, 195 yards, 195 points, 471 points against is what I meant to say. Plus 21 point, plus 24 point differential on a little two game win streak. Saints have been slinging it. As for the Bears, two and seven, minus what is it up to now? 54 point differential. 
Holy cow. Just in the bottom pack. Just in the bottom half of teams this year. Not too hot for uh, not too hot for to be a Bears fan. Sorry to my whole family. But yes, Derek Carr, 211 yards and two touchdowns. Taysom Hill had one throw for a touchdown, as I mentioned. He also rushed 11 times for 52 yards. Kamara rushed nine times for 26 yards. Chris Olave, six catches, 46 yards and a touchdown. Was doing his thing. Um, Juwan Johnson got a touchdown. Taysom Hill even got a touchdown. He put up a crazy 20.62 fantasy points. He was doing his thing. Derek Carr, 16 fantasy points. Same for Olave. Cole Komet, though, I mean, you know, Tyson Baggett, 220 yards and two touchdowns, was looking good. He looks like an FLQB. Dante Foreman rushed for 83 yards. Baggett was running two for 70 yards. Cole Komet, six catches, 55 yards, and two touchdowns had his 23 fantasy points. And you know what? Darnell Mooney, even, he was um got uh, five catches for 82 yards, was able to put up 13 fantasy points. Bears, just, just tough. They've been looking better, but just still not enough. They'll play the Panthers on a Thursday night football, and honestly, we'll lock in our prediction right now. We're going to ride with the Bears in that one. All right, I'm going to give the Bears the benefit of the doubt that they beat the Panthers on Thursday night football. Early predictions from Zachary right now. As for the Saints, I mean, Saints, keep it rolling. They play my Vikings, but we are definitely going to stunt you. All right, Vikings, we're the team. We're the top Gs, whatever you want to call us. I mean, let's let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. 31-28, to 28, the Minnesota Vikings beat the Atlanta Falcons in Atlanta, too. Might I add, in Atlanta, we run through them. Just, oh my gosh, J- Josh Dobbs leading a comeback, leading a game-winning drive under two minutes. It just don't get any better than this. It does not. Oh my gosh. Josh Dobbs, 24.92 fantasy points. Madison, 17.3 fantasy points. First off, shout out to Atlanta. Jonu Smith, 21 fantasy points. Young Huku, 19 fantasy points. Not Young Huku was their team. Young Huku was their team. How many touchdowns did they score? Pretty sure they only scored two touchdowns. Yeah, 14. 14, they had a safety. So Young Huku hit like three or four field goals. He was doing his thing. Not enough to stop the Vikings. It started off 3-3, three to three, then it was 8-3, to three, then it was 11-3, to three, then it was 11-10. to 10. 14 to 10, 14 13, 21 13, 21 tied up, and it was 24 21, 28 24, and then Joshua Dobbs doing his thing. Started off kind of sucky as Jaron Hall was looking good, opening drive, 5 for 6, 78 yards, and then gets a concussion at the goal line. Quite, quite honestly, right at the goal line, right before the touchdown. Gets a concussion. Out for the game. Josh Dobbs comes in. Did lose two fumbles, but guess what? 158 yards, two touchdowns. He rushed for 66 yards and a touchdown. It was just amazing. My my, my heart my heart was so full. I love Josh Dobbs. I've mentioned it before. He's my boy, and he's starting for, for us against the Saints. Kevin O'Connell just announced. I mean, Madison, 44 yards rushing. He also had two catches for 49 yards and a tutty. He was looking good. Hawkinson, seven catches, 69 yards. Jay Addison, five catches, 52 yards. Um, Osborne got hurt, sadly. Cam Akers tore his Achilles. He's out for the year. And uh, how about to Brandon Powell? Two catches, 15 yards, the game-winning touchdown catch. I freaking love you, Minnesota Vikings, so much. I'll give some credit to our uh, ops. We just beat Taylor Heineke, 268 yards, a touchdown and a pick. Was honestly looking very good for the Falcons. I'd ride with him over Desmond Ritter. Allegier actually um, scored the only rushing touchdown, one rush, one uh, touchdown on 39 yards. Dressing Bijan, only 51 yards. We held him. 
But Jonu Smith, five catches, 100 yards, a tutty, was looking good. Kyle Pitts, four catches, 56 yards. We held them in check, though. You know the Vikings. We, we stand on business. All right? We, according to Drewski, we stand on business. Vikings now, four-game win streak. We're 5-4, and four, plus 16-point differential. Keep it rolling. We're in the playoffs as we speak. We're coming for the Lions. All right, let me tell you that. We're coming for the Lions. We got, um, gosh, we're better than better than the whole NFC South, better than the entire NFC West. We're, the, we're, we're good. The Vikings are coming for that Super Bowl, guys. I know it's a meme. Like, oh, you guys aren't going to win the Super Bowl. We're going to. We're coming for the Super Bowl. I want it. Atlanta Falcons, 4-5 and five now. You got a uh, 166 points, 492 against two game losing streak. Yikes! Not, not not fun to be an Atlanta fan. Let me just tell you that. But the Vikings next week we host the Saints. We're gonna run through them. As for the Falcons, they have a winnable game against the Cardinals. I mean, I don't know if I can physically pick the Cardinals the rest of the year. I just think for the sake of not trying to lose money, I I, I don't pick them because the Cardinals are pretty bad. So are the Falcons. Vikings, we stand on business. Love you guys, Minnesota. Heading into our uh, 3.30 games, might have been. No, Packers beat the Rams at some point yesterday. 20-3. to No words. Just no words. I I can't believe you, Rams. Rams are on a three-game losing streak. Three and six. Minus, like, where are they at now? They're up to, like, minus 26-point differential. Just just an ugly performance. Good for the Packers. Three and five now. Third in the FC North. Uh plus one point differential. Plus one point differential. Good for you guys. But um pitiful performance. Pitiful performance from the Rams. They didn't even they got a field goal in the second quarter from fifty two yards, and that was it. That was it. That's all they did. Brett Ripon, 130 yards and a pick, looked terrible. Royce Freeman rushed for thirty two yards. Daryl Henderson for nineteen. Did nothing. And you can't do Cooper Cup and Puka can't can't tutu at well even they can't do anything when you have a terrible QB and uh, we need to cut Ripon man we the Rams need to cut Ripon I could care less Rams defense the best score on the day with seven points wow Cooper Cup had six point eight Puka six point two well I give the Packers benefit of the doubt you know what Aaron Jones had seventeen point nine fantasy points Luke Musgrave fourteen point one Jordan Love thirteen point eight two Jordan Love two hundred twenty eight yards and a touchdown Aaron Jones rushed for seventy three yards and a touchdown and Luke Musgrave three catches fifty one yards and a touchdown good good win for the Packers doing their thing you won't beat the Vikings this year but you can beat teams like the Rams oddly I, I don't even understand that Rams get a bye next week really need to assess what you're going to do with your franchise. As for the Packers, they will play the Steelers. So let me just lock that in as a Steelers pick because I hate the Packers. I said I was going to sometimes pick them this year. I take it back. Screw the Packers. My favorite pick of the week that I got correct, the Commanders beat the Patriots 20-17. to I was very happy with that prediction. Sam Howell gets 17.7 fantasy points. Jahan Dotson, 16.9. Antonio Gibson, 12.6. Ramondre Stevenson, 22.9 for the Pats. Hunter Henry, 13.9. First good game since week two. And Juju Smith-Schuster, 11.1, doing his thing. Started off 10 rip for the Commanders, then went to 14-10 to after two Patriots studies. Second half kicked off. It was getting all tied up. And then Patriots D stood tall. Joey Sly hit a big field goal in the third. And nothing changed in the fourth. Commanders get it done. Mac Jones, 220 yards, touchdown and a pick. Um, Hunter Henry caught that touchdown. Juju, six catches, 51 yards. Rashad Douglas, five catches, 51 yards. Ramondre Stevenson, though, rushed for 87 yards and a tutty. 
Zeke only had 17 rushes, not much. But, man, Commanders doing their thing. Sam Howell, 325 yards, touchdown and a pick. Uh, Brian Robinson rushed for 63 yards and a touchdown. Um, how did Antonio Gibson – I think they have Gibson's name wrong because there's just Bijan should, should be the name that I said. So Bijan should be on there according to ESPN, but he's not. Antonio Gibson's still good. Scary Terry. Had uh, five catches for 73 yards. Commanders coming out on top. Good for them. Commanders are now third in the NFC East, four and five. Um, wow, still do have a minus 54 point differential. Gotta gotta work on that. Pats brutally bad. Two and seven. Holy cow, they have a minus 90, minus 93 point differential, minus 92 point differential. Hoofda, it is rough to be a Patriots fan. Two game losing streak. Don't really. I have no. I have no advice for you. I have no advice. If you're a Patriots fan, just uh, pray. That's all you can do. Pray your team does well. I doubt. I doubt you guys are gonna do anything. Commanders play the Seahawks next week in Seattle. Should be a tough one to win there. We'll see how they do. And as for the Patriots, they will play the Colts. So a winnable game, but I doubt they will win. Speaking of the Colts, they hold off the Panthers 27-13. to Defense had 27 points, just ran through this Panthers offense, had nothing to do, um, nothing to offer like as a challenge. Jonathan Taylor, 17.9 fantasy points. Jonathan Taylor back to his winning ways. Michael Pittman, 14.4. Jubba Hubbard, 10.7 points. Led the day for the Panthers in the fantasy department. But yeah, I mean the game just started off bad and got ugly. I mean it, it was it was twenty twenty to three, then it was uh, twenty to ten. So you know some hope. But then once it went to twenty seven to ten, it was it was obviously over. Bryce Young one touchdown, three picks on one hundred seventy three yards throwing. Not gonna get it done. DJ Chark caught the lone touchdown. Adam Thielen five catches, twenty nine yards was the leading um, target man. Uh, leading uh, receiver was uh, Hayden Hurst. Two catches, 54 yards. This Panthers team is terrible. Indiana, though, this as I said, their defense had 27 points. It obviously led the day. I mean, um, they had a 66-yard interception return. Holy cow, I did not even realize this. Kenny Moore the second had two pick sixes. That is player of the week. Shout out to Kenny Moore the second. Colts, Colts defensive back of some sort, I assume. Two pick sixes. That's incredible. That is incredible. But yeah, Indiana and Gardner Minshew threw for 127 yards and uh, one touchdown. Um, PFL just tweeted, you could win a trip to see the baddest man on the planet in action. Come at PFL World Championship for some reason. The winner gets announced at the PFL World Championship. No, that's super odd. Anyways, from that brief announcement, yeah. Jonathan Taylor rushed for 47 yards. Michael Pittman's eight catches, six for yards. Jonathan Taylor caught a tutty. I mean, yeah, defensive won it for the Colts. Good job, Colts D. Good job, Kenny Moore, actually. That's what I'll say. Panthers, where, where are we at now? Colts are 4-5. and five. They have a, uh, wow, 232 points for, 242 against, so minus 10-point differential. Third in the AFC South, doing their best to uh, stay in the battle. As we mentioned, the Colts will be taking on, uh, who are they? The Patriots, so, oh, you know what? Defensive battle in that one, I assume. As for the absolutely Terrible Panthers. The terrible Panthers. Worst team in the league. They're now one in seven, right? They uh one in seven. What's their point differential? Bryce Young is clearly not the answer, honestly. One in seven. 140 points for, 226 against. 
yikes. That's just gross. That's just absolutely gross. To be a Panthers fan, it must suck. And they will be taking on the... They have a bye next week. Oh, the Bears on Thursday Night Football. So, yeah. Bears might actually have a chance to win a game. Huh? How about that? Heading now, round out our 3.30. Oh, actually, no. We have two more 3.30 games. But one of the 3.30 games was the Raiders beating the Giants 30-6. to Holy cow. Giants are just terrible. Daniel Jones going out for the year with an ACL injury. So Tyrod Taylor and uh, Tommy DeVito will be leading the backfield for the Giants. Giants are 2-7. and seven. They finally crossed 101 points this week, so they have 101 points for worst offense in the league. Still do have a minus 116-point differential. Two-game losing streak. Ugh, just gross. But hey, how about the Raiders? They make a GM change, head coach change, head coaching change pays off. 4-5 now, second in the AFC West. Doing their thing. Not a good point differential. It's in the minus 40s, but uh, good job for the Raiders. Getting a win here. Saquon was the only good thing about the Giants. 14.3 fancy points for him. He had uh, 90 yards rushing and uh, caught three catches for 23 yards. So good for him. Uh, Tommy DeVito, one touchdown on two picks. Yikes. Not pretty, but you know what? Tommy DeVito, you're probably with the mob, so good for you. Um, I don't know if Tyrod Taylor's getting any more starts. Um, Darius Slayton, four catches, 59 yards, did well. Uh, yeah, just went Wendell Johnson caught a touchdown pass. But, uh, yeah, let's give credit to this uh, Raiders team. Aiden O'Connell, 209 yards. It was Josh Jacobs, 98 yards, two touchdowns. So the rushing game got done. Defense got big. Tucker, leading wide receiver, two catches, 52 yards. Devontae Adams, four catches, 34 yards. Get this man out of Las Vegas. Poor Devontae Adams. Raiders next week will play the Jets. I'll have to see how the Jets perform tonight before I assess who I'm picking. As for the Giants, they will be playing, though, the Cowboys. Beautiful. I can lock in my Cowboys prediction right now as there's just no way they lose to the Giants. Speaking of which, let's uh, let's got, let's talk to um, let's talk about uh, what's the freaking called Bengals Bengals and uh, no cow Eagles and Cowboys. I just got big text in it. Uh, it's got jaw dropping text about uh, something. So uh, yeah, that just interrupted me. Nothing huge, but I mean enough to make you stumble on your words. One of the best games of the week: Eagles and the Cowboys. 28-23, to 23, absolutely good game. Battle of two of the best in the NFL. Eagles come out on top 28-23. to 23. Eagles now best team in the league, 8-1. A beautiful 252 points, 495 against the three-game win streak since he ain't upset by the Jets. Keeps it rolling as for the Cowboys. Still very good, 220 points, 448 against. 5-3, and three, you know, not too bad for the Cowboys, but uh. This was a close loss here. Dak Prescott, 28.36 fantasy points on 374 yards and three touchdowns. He rushed for 14 yards. That's 1.4 fantasy points. Let's not forget about that. But uh, my goodness, uh, Jalen Hurts, 207 yards and two touchdowns. He had 25.88 fantasy points. You know, think about the decimals. And he also punched a touchdown on 36 yards rushing. A.J. Brown, seven catches, 66 yards. For a touchdown, he dropped 19.6 fantasy points. And Devontae Smith finally got double digits as he caught three catches for 51 yards and a touchdown. Thank you. DeAndre Swift only rushed for 43 yards, caught two catches for 31. I expected more, but I'll still take it. Um, as for the Cowboys, C.D. Lamb, 28.1 fantasy points. Jake Ferguson, 22.1. C.D. Lamb, 11 catches, 191 yards is just an animal. 
Jake Ferguson, seven catches, 91 yards, and a touchdown is becoming a star. And uh, Austin, oh, Jalen Tolbert, not Austin Tolbert, caught um, a touchdown on one of his three catches for 49 yards. And Turpin, one catch for one touchdown. Good for him. But um, uh, Eagles D came up big in the end, was able to stop the uh, Cowboys on their final game-ending throw. Good win for the Eagles. Um, they'll meet again, though. This isn't the last time they will meet. I don't know when they play next, but I'm pretty sure they do. Eagles get a bye next week. As for Cowboys, right back to it with the Giants. Should be able to bounce back in that one. And since this has gone on so long, let's let's get into our uh, final game of last night. A banger on uh, Sunday Night Football. Bengals beat the Bills in the revenge game, 24-18. It was a revenge game for the Bills. Bengals, Bengals are cooking, actually. What are... Bengals are on a four-game win streak. They find themselves at 5-3, and three, only a minus seven-point differential. Good for them. Bills now third in the AFC West, 5-4, and four, despite having a plus 80-point differential. Wow. Just those tough losses, man. They add up. The tough losses add up. Oh, my goodness. Fortunate stuff for the Bills, but um, Josh Allen, 24.72 fancy points. Stephon Diggs, 22.6. Dalton Kincaid, 16.1. As for the Bengals, Joe Burrow, Joe Shiesty, 22.32 fancy points. T. Higgins, 19, and Joe Mixon, 17.8. I was all about T. Higgins going off. Joe Burrow, 348-yard game, two touchdowns, was looking good. Joe Mixon, rushed for, Joe Mixon, Joe Mixon rushed, rushed for 37 yards and a touchdown, caught five catches for 31 yards. And uh, T. Higgins, eight catches, 110 yards. Jamar Case, only four catches for 41 yards. And the tight end sample. The tight end sample. And actually, Irv Smith Jr. caught a touchdown, and a Drew Sample caught a touchdown. So irrelevant people catching touchdowns. As for Buffalo, Josh Allen, 258 yards. Throw in one touchdown, a pick, rush for 44 yards, and Tutty. James Cook, only 20 yards rushing. Stephon Diggs have another Stephon Diggs day. Six catches, 86 yards, and a touchdown. Dalton Kincaid, though, 10 catches, 81 yards. Is looking good. And Shakir had four catches for 57 yards. Gabe Davis, no catches. I don't even know if he got targeted last night, but um, hey, it was a close one. Bengals come out on top. Wow, not much to say for that. Bills will play the Broncos on Monday Night Football next week. Lock in a Bills pick for me. And as for the Bengals, they will be playing the Texans, and I do not think they will stop there. We'll pick the Bengals for an early prediction in that one. But yeah, good win for the Bengals. They're going to keep things rolling Rolling, rolling, man, man, man. I'll tell you what, though. On a, as for this Monday Night Football game, to round out this NFL Week 9 or recap, if you will, I'm going to need some uh, big thing. Actually, Justin Herbert, I need the Jets D to get, like, 27 points. And honestly, Justin Herbert can get, Justin Herbert can get 13 points. I don't know. So many scenarios. I'm going to win one matchup for sure. I'm currently winning in two, but I don't know. We'll we'll see what occurs tonight in this matchup between the Chargers and the Jets. That game starts at 7:15. I don't know if I'm gonna be able to catch it, but um, should be a fun one nonetheless. And now that we've wrapped up all of our NFL talk, there's only one thing left to talk about. My favorite thing of every episode. Do I mention that? Have I ever mentioned that? That I love talking about the UFC. My goodness, UFC Sao Paulo went down this past uh, weekend on Saturday. We only had 11 fights as uh, two fights sadly fell through. To my dismay, Ishmael Bonfim versus Vink Pichel and another one on the prelims. Sadly, sad but true, but um, 
It is what it is. We're going to be talking about every single one of those fights in a second. Hang on. Hold on to your hats and get your UFC tee ready. I don't even know what that means, but it means something. Alrighty, let's not waste any more time. Let's dive right into it. UFC Sao Paulo went down this weekend in Brazil. The fight night between Hunt Almeida and Derek Lewis. It was amazing-ish. Some of the fights were good, some of the fights were bad. We're going to talk about all of them. Kicking us off with our first prelim, our first fight of the evening. We had a matchup between Mark Diakise and Cal Fernandez. Cal was making his UFC debut. He did lose by split decision, but certainly didn't look too bad. Mark Diakise snapped a two-fight losing streak and a must-win if you wanted to stay in the UFC. Round one, I mean, name of the game for this fight. First off, let me just say, Cal outstruck him 23-13 to 13 significant-wise, 67-65 to 65 total-wise, but it was the 8 minutes and 80, it was the 8 minutes and 38 seconds of control time which won it. For Mark Diakise. Round one, Cal doing well in the striking. He landed a takedown. Mark landed a takedown, but Mark did two and a half minutes of control time. Cal only did a minute. So that was the round um, he could have won. I mean, Cal Fernandez, round two, a decent round striking wise, 10 to 4 significant, 2016 total. Mark one for four in takedowns for two minutes and 50 seconds of control time. Then round three, um, Mark, 3 minutes and 15 seconds of control time on 1 for 3 takedowns. Gets it done. Split decision, uh, 29 28, 29-28, and 30-27. So, Mark, good win for you. Cal, tough loss. But, you know, it wasn't really a good fight to kick off the night, but nonetheless, wins a win's a win. Ken into our next fight for women's strawweight. Another one that I actually predicted this one right. Eduarda Mora beats Montezera Conijo Ruiz by round two TKO. It was dominant. It was destructive. Montezera now sadly on a three-fight losing streak. All three of those fights she's been finished in. But man, oh man, Eduarda Mora, man. How about that? Making your UFC debut, coming off of the contender series from this past season, just utter domination. Round one. 32 to 3 significant strikes, 70 to 7 total strikes, 2 for 2 on takedowns for 4 minutes and 23 seconds. The grappling was insane. Round 2, only needed 2 minutes into it to get rid of Montezaret. 25 to 2, 25 to 2 significant strikes, 32 to 2 total strikes, 1 for 1 on takedowns for a minute and a half of control time. She got into mount, laid on her with the punches. Good win for Eduarda Mora. Man, oh man, good win for Brazil. Right there, you know, I mean, let me just say, I mean, it's just up from here. I mean, if you're in the women's strawweight division and you're getting big finishes, you got to start looking up because that's where they'll send you. They'll send you up there quickly before you even know it. But, um, yeah, good win for Eduarda. Happy to see her getting the victory over Montserrat. And there was a time that Montserrat, there was a time, was debuting, beating Cheyenne Vilsmas. Those days are over. She's now been knocked out in three straight fights. Tough, tough, tough. That's all I can say. Heading on to our next and last women's fight of the night. Same division women's strawweight. Angela Hill keeps her number 12 spot in the women's uh, strawweight division rankings as she beats Denise D. Gomez. Angela outstrikes her 76 to 62 significantly total strikes in favor of Denise Gomez. 111 to 96. It was a... Name of the affair again, a grappling win for Angela Hill. Five of nine on takedowns for eight minutes of control time. One for three for Denise for only a minute. Round one, Denise outstruck her, but, you know, got taken down for two minutes and 42 seconds. Round two, Angela actually outstruck her. 
and took her down. So big plus there. And round three, Angela, three for four on takedowns for four minutes of control time. Dominates her, 23 to six significant strikes. Angela Hill gets the win. Good win for Angela. She's now three and one, her last four fights. Denise Gomez, this sadly snaps a two-fight winning streak for her. Uh, tough to see, but you know what? She's 2-2 two two in the UFC. This next one will be a big one to determine if she sticks around. Angela, though, big win. Currently ranked number 12. Um, I don't really see her fighting up with a win like this. She'll probably fight down. I don't know what's next for you, Angela. Could be someone out of the rankings. How about we give her Eduarda Mora, just because I saw her. and oh, Just because she fought right before her, so... There you go. There's a potential fight you can make. But uh, Denise Gomez, she'll stick around, just not moving up the rankings. Finally, we get to some real action here as Vitor Petrino took on Modestus Bukakis and knocked him out cold with a beautiful punch a minute into round number two. This was a good one at light heavyweight. A performance bonus, too, to Vitor Petrino. Round one, I mean... The exchanges were looking pretty even, but Vitor, not liking getting stung, took down Modestus, one for two on takedowns for two minutes of control time. Just a casual round one, but round two, striking, striking. Vitor catches him with a punch. Beautiful, beautiful. It was like a it was like a hook jab. You know, it's kind of awkward to say. Hook jab right to the face. Modestus goes down, out cold for a second. Ref calls it. Vitor Petrino remains undefeated at 10-0. And in the UFC, two finishes. The third fight, a fight of the night victory. Vitor Petrino is legit, man. He's not a fraud at all. 10-0, he's perfect. And honestly... Of all the frauds, I thought he was going to end up being one. His win over Marcin Petrino was pretty sloppy. So was the one against Anton Terkaljic. So was the one against Rodolfo Bellato. But now, this is a legit win over a legit guy, Modestus Bukakis. Um, Vitor, soon you'll be looking up. The lightweight rankings are calling your name, honestly. Honestly, give him Dominic Reyes. Give him Dominic Reyes. Let's throw Vitor Petrino in the mix. I'm ready for it. Modestus Bukakis sucks. His two-fight winning streak was snapped, and that was just in the UFC. It was probably, four, I think it was actually four fights professionally. Um, Man, it's just the name of the game. Modestus, he'll be back. Right, Modestus Bukakis will be back. And Vitor Petrino, man, he will be back. Good, the good, good way to get the night going, and it was only up from here, at least for some fights. But, um... Yeah, Vito Petrino, throw him in the mix. I'm not. I'm not scared to throw her in the mix. I'm. I'm, I'm really not. If I'm being honest, I, uh, this this performance has me more set on the abilities of Vitor Petrino than I was before. It went down. Another stunner in the next one as Renat Fakhradinov and Elizio Zaleski dos Santos fight to a majority draw. They had a draw. It was an interesting fight. Did not see that one coming. Let's talk about it here. All right. So, totals for the fight. Renat Fakhradinov landed a knockdown. All right, one knockdown for him. 87 to 75. Significant strikes in favor of Renat. 115 to 109 total strikes, though, in favor of Elizio Zaleski. 0 for 1 on takedowns for Elizio. He had a minute and 24 seconds of control time, all in the third round. Um, as for Renat, 1 for 9 on takedowns was stuffed over and over performance in 25 seconds of control time. Round one, Renat almost knocked him a second straight opponent out in the opening minute. Could not finish Elizio, though. Big round one. I actually probably would have scored it a 10-8 for Renat. He looked pretty dominant. 37-10 significant strikes, 47-14 to 14 total strikes, a 60% significant striking percentage. And yeah, dominant round one for Renat. Fuck, right enough. Round two, though, it was closer. Elizio getting back there, landing some big strikes. 
Um, 27 to 22 significant strikes in favor of Renat. 32 to 25 in favor of Renat as well for total strikes. One for four on takedowns for a minute and 13 seconds. Renat just casually round one round two. Then we headed into round number three, and Elizio Zaleski Dos Santos turned up the heat. 43 to 23 significant strikes, 76 to 30 in total strikes. Almost dropped him with a um, a body shot. Renat was hanging on for dear life, getting his face pounded in. I thought he was going to be finished. He survived. Two of the judges saw it as a 10-8 for Elizio Zaleski Dos Santos, which it was, unfortunately. So we get a draw here. Huge comeback for Elizio, and honestly, Renat faded. Renat faded, man. Elizio, he was a tough competition, proved durable, and uh, yeah, Three fight on beaten streak now for Elizio. Two wins, one draw here. As for Renat Fakradinov, 21 1 and 1, and he had been on a 20 fight win streak. Okay, so this this made things very, very interesting here. You know, still unbeaten. This does not count as a loss, but, you know, this certainly opened my eyes to how good Renat is. He's currently ranked number 15th at welterweight. He'll probably maintain his spot. Do we run this fight back? No. I honestly think we have or not move up and fight someone like Michael Chiesa. Someone like, uh, yeah, actually, Michael Chiesa is a perfect fight for Renat. Let's let's do that. I'm not even going to mention that again. But as for Elizio Zaleski Dos Santos, a veteran like Santiago Ponzinibbio could provide some very good fights, a very good opportunities there for him. But yeah, some interesting prelims. I uh, predicted only one of them correct. Thank you, Eduardo Mora. The draw does not count as anything. And then we got into the main card, and I did pretty good. I did pretty good on my main card predictions. As we all know, all main card predictions are official. I went 4-1, and one, only one incorrect pick, which was the biggest upset of the night, maybe even of the month. Um, we're now 223-71 and 71 on the year, and all-time 494 and 348. So on the year, not doing too shabby. I'm pretty big. Hopefully in the next, next what? What are there? There's one, two, three. There's five events left of 2023 there's a potential I could move up to plus 200 on the year for main card predictions. We'll see, though. Let's talk about it. We kick things off with a fight that was supposed to be on the prelims but was bumped up th- since Ishmael Bonfim can't make weight. Dude's an absolute bum. Actually, no, it wasn't that. He got sick backstage. That's what it is. Ishmael Bonfim got sick backstage, I'm pretty sure. And they called off the fight. I believe that's what happened, if I'm remembering correctly. But nonetheless, Elvis Brenner versus Kane and Koreshki was moved up to the main card. And it did not disappoint. Elvis Brenner knocks him out in four minutes. It was such a clean shot. Clipped him right on the ear. Knocked Kanan out cold. He gets a performance bonus. And man, oh man, Elvis Brenner's stock just rose tremendously. This was a huge victory for him. I cannot be more proud. I cannot be more proud of Elvis Brenner. And here's a dude who was seemingly kind of irrelevant. You know, he debuted in February, beat Zubara Tuagaf by split decision. There was there was no hype. No hype whatsoever around him. There was just, I mean, it was just another fighter getting it done. But man, in July, upset Guram Kulaze came back down two rounds. And here, he's knocking out a guy in Kanan Koreshki who's legit, as just as legit as he is, knocking him out cold. One of the nastiest knockouts of the year, Elvis Brenner, you dog. And he trains with Charles Oliveira. That's a plus. Charles Oliveira's my boy. As for Kanan, you know, he had came from Danwitz Contender Series, took this fight on short notice. Name of the game. He's 15-2, and two, though. He's 15-2. and two. This won't hurt him too much. He'll be back. But uh, Elvis Brenner, wow. Um, I do want to throw him in the lightweight mix, but not all the way. 
not all the way to the top. I'm thinking someone like Claudio Puelles, someone like Joe Oliveres, maybe even, gosh, who did Drew Dober just knock out? Whoever Drew Dober just knocked out. Maybe Grant Dawson even. Grant Dawson could be a good fight for Elvis Brenner. But um, I'm happy about this. I like the fight. Elvis Brenner, you're a dog. Next up, we had Kyle Borallo versus Abus Magomedov. Man, oh man, Abus Magomedov makes no sense. He is he's just... He's an interesting fighter, that's all I have to say. Kyle Barallo beats him by unanimous decision, moving Kyle Barallo to a perfect 5-0 and in the UFC, 7-0 and if you count both of his contender series victories, and his win streak goes on even before he got in the UFC. As Robin Swanamagoff, two-fight losing streak, unfortunate for him. I mean, let's uh, let's kick it off. First off, Kyle landed a knockdown in the third round, outstruck him significantly, 51-38, total strike 70-39, to two minutes and 17 seconds of control time. Kyle really improved here, showing off the striking. I was fairly surprised with it. Um, round one, just barely edged him out, 11-7 to seven in both total and significant. Just casually winning. Round two, though, much closer. Abus, 21-20, um, to 20, striking battle. If there was going to be a round he won, it was probably probably this one. Um, and then round three, Kyle turned it up. Kyle turned up two minutes and 17 seconds control time after dropping him. 38-12 to 12. total strikes, 19-11. to 11. It's just a typical win over a tough guy in Abus Magomedov. And Kyle Barallo gets it done. And honestly, honestly, let's rake them. Anthony Hernandez or Chris Curtis, they're 14 and 15. Let's throw Kyle Barallo on there at 15 or 14. And um, let's just um let's just let's just let's let's give him a top ten guy. Okay, you know what? I'm feeling I'm feeling Jack Romanson at number eight. Jack Romanson at number eight for Kyle Barallo. I like that fight for him. Cause you know, I mean, Chris Curtis has got stuff booked, Paul Craig has stuff booked, Nazardine, Calvin, Brendan. He's not fighting Hamzat. He called out Driscus Duplessis, but Driscus is fighting for the belt now, so nowhere in his league will he be. But Kyle Barallo picking up a big one here. As for Abus Magomedov, I mean, gosh, I don't know what to do with him. He needs to really assess stuff, because he has all the tools to be good, but um, clearly a fraud. Clearly a fraud. We're having him fight tough guys, so maybe we give him an unranked guy. How about that? Let's have Abus get a pick-me-up fight. That'd do him pretty freaking good. But Kyle Barallo, good freaking win, man. Very happy for you. Jack or Manson fight could be waiting for you in the future. We'll see what happens next for the natural. But yeah, big winning streak for him. Then, yet again, we had another boring unanimous decision. I mean, this is where the cards started to dwindle. Not the best Brazilian card. Um, Rodrigo Nascimento beats Dantel Mays by unanimous decision. And honestly, it's weird looking looking back on it. Um, at the stats, I mean, significant strikes... In favor of Dontel Mays, 79 to 70. Total strikes in favor of Dontel, 105 to 91. Rodrigo goes 0 for 3 on takedowns. Dontel 0 for 1. Um, round 1, though, Rodrigo outstruck him, 41 35. Round 2, Dontel outstrikes him, 36 30. Round 3, Dontel outstrikes him, outstrikes him, 34 to 20. But as you were watching it, you could just tell that um, Rodrigo is winning. You could just tell that Rodrigo Nascimento is getting the better of Dontel in their little rematch, which was just, I mean, I would say not necessary, but it doesn't really matter because they're both kind of just irrelevant heavyweights. Um, Rodrigo, though, gets the win. And is now on a little three-fight winning streak, all by decision, though. All close fights. As for Dontel Mays, he is a one and two with a no contest his last four fights. I don't know what to say, but you know what? Rodrigo Nascimento was actually ranked. He was ranked number 14th. So um, how about we have him fight the guy right above him, Alexander Romanov. Good fight for him. Or even number 11, Marcin Tibera, depending what we want to do next with the division. 
interesting stuff. I mean, not really much to say. I mean, Rodrigo and Dantel didn't really do anything necessarily over, um, what am I trying to say? Over, like, well, overwhelming. They, they just got to win. Nothing much to say. Good job, Rodrigo, winning in Brazil. How about you fight Alexander Romanov? Good for you. How about that? Now let's talk about this co-main event because this was the biggest upset of the night, maybe even of the year. This is on the yearly upset right here as Nicholas Dalby beats the undefeated 15-0 Gabriel Bond theme absolutely crazy. Let's talk about it. Round one, all Gabriel. Everything you'd expect. Gabriel Bonfim outstrikes him 34-22, 30-16 significant-wise. One for one on takedowns for two and a half minutes of control time. Gabriel was looking dominant. All right, he was looking dominant. And I don't know if it's just because he had finished all of his past fights in round one, a lot of them. I mean, he had had a fight on the contender series and two UFC fights, all finished him in round one, didn't really go far. And, you know, he had a couple opportunities to finish Nicholas, but Dalby um, hung in there. He was tough. And then round two. Comes around, all right? We're standing on the feet. We're banging, all right? And towards the end of it, towards the final two minutes, final minute, Dalby starts hitting him with some knees in the clinch, drops him, all right? Starts laying on the punches, laying into him, laying into him. Bob Phoebe's trying to survive, trying to survive. The ref steps in with 27 seconds left in round number two, and Gabriel Bonfim gets upset by Nicholas freaking Dalby, the Danish dynamite. Wow. Just wow. Nicholas Dalby, you are just an absolute dog. Somehow proved himself. He was able to rally. He's picking up a massive win here as an underdog, undefeated as an underdog in the UFC. He's now riding a four-fight win streak. And honestly, honestly, you know, he's, he's picked up some wins over Claudio Silva, Walray Alves, Muslim Sleekoff, the biggest one here over Gabriel Bonfim. Let's not, let's not talk about it. Since 2019, I mean, this is his second stint in the UFC. He had a brutal one from 2015 to 2016, but since 2019, he is 6-1 with a no contest. I mean, this guy is legit. Somehow, I mean, I, I was sleeping on him, but Dalby proved me wrong. And let's give him a ranked opponent. All right, well, let's check out the welterweight rankings. They're kind of crowded, kind of crowded, but I'm sure we can find someone. I'm sure we can find someone for you to fight Dalby. I mean, maybe Michael Chiesa, maybe Renat Fakhradina, but I'm looking at number 12, Kevin Holland. That could be a fun fight. Kevin Holland really only does fun fights, and uh, Dalby could prove as a good opponent. Winnable for both men. That's what I think we do next, man. But Nicholas Dalby, what an upset. I don't even know what to say next for Gabriel Bonfim. One of the brothers, the Ishmael Bonfim, gets sick before his fight, and Gabriel uh, gets finished after winning round one. Wow. One of the bigger upsets of the year. Good job, Nicholas. The Danish Dynamite moves on. And then we had our main event, and all the highs we had from the night just dwindled. Just dwindled, man. This was brutal. I, for, this was one of the first fight nights I turned off. I, I was in the bar. I was living it up, having a good time, so I was watching on my phone. This was atrocious. This was atrocious. I mean, 50-44, 50-44, 50-45. Halton Almeida beats Derek Lewis by unanimous decision. He actually set a record for most control time in heavyweight history, fourth most in UFC history, with 21 minutes and 10 seconds of control time for five rounds. Oh my gosh, six of 15 on takedowns. Derek Lewis actually went over two on takedowns for almost a minute of control time. He was trying to do anything he could to survive. Hanamena, 38 to 20, significant strikes in favor of him. 120 to 28 total strikes in favor of Hanamena. Just... Just embarrassing. I'm just, it was just not it. Just not it. That's all I can say. 
All right, round one, four minutes and 36 seconds of control time. Just could not put Derek away. Derek Lewis just would not get submitted. Four submission attempts. He had two in round one, two in round two, and round two, four minutes and 19 seconds of control time. Derek Lewis only landing one significant strike. Round three, just control time for Alton Almeida. Three minutes, 57 seconds on one takedown. Round four, four minutes and 23 seconds, one takedown in round five. Derek Lewis's best round. Salt Lomeda didn't even land a significant strike. He just took him down twice and outgrappled him. Just did nothing even to say. Salt Lomeda literally just walked across the octagon every time and took down Derek Lewis. And then did nothing with it. Did nothing with it. Just couldn't do anything embarrassing, which sucks because Salt Lomeda, he's now 20 and 2 on a ridiculous win streak. I mean, he's a perfect 6 and 0 in the UFC now, but um, no, nothing to say. Derek Lewis, you know, one in th- one in four now, his last five, two and six, his last eight. It's not been pretty for Derek, but he took this on short notice. And honestly, he's in the exact same spot he was before he took this on short notice. Plus, he got a paycheck. All right, he got a bag to travel to Brazil and not even get finished. So, prop, props to Halton. I mean, you were ranked number nine. I'm obviously moving you past Tai Tuivasa, past Sergey Spivak. I'm moving Halton Almeida up to the number seven spot in the rankings. Personally, and then I'm giving him Curtis Blades or Alexander Volkov. That's what I'm gonna do. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't a pretty win, but he did what he needed to. All right, he did what he needed to against a knockout artist. He he got the victory in his first fight night, second fight night actually. He fought earlier this year in a, a main event, and um, yeah, good win for him. As for Derek Lewis, you're currently ranked ten. You know, no one really deserves to pass you, and someone like Jarzinho Rosenstruck, Justin Taffa, even Marcos Rogero de Lima. Who uh, just? Oh no, no, not Mar- Marcus Rogero de Lima. Uh, Rodrigo Nascimento, someone like him, you know. G- just give anyone to Derek Lewis, he'll fight him. That's who he's gonna be the rest of his career. But I'll, I'll make it, getting it done. He'll he'll be fighting a top five guy next. Hopefully, he deserves it. Volkov, run back the blades matchup. I don't know, but certainly not a entertaining fight. I'll tell you what is going to be entertaining though this upcoming uh, this upcoming Saturday because we got UFC 295 Prochaska versus Pereira for the vacant light heavyweight championship. This is going to be incredible. It's going to be such a good such a good card. I'm so pumped for it. Just it gets me going. It gets gets my chest pumped up. My goodness, um, going down at Madison Square Garden in New York City. I'm all here for it. Just a banger main card. I mean, you get Sergey Pavlovich and Tom Aspinall. Jessica Andrade and Mackenzie Dern, big opportunity here for Mackenzie Dern. Matt Frivola and Benoit Saint-Denis, two incredible lightweights and two good featherweights, Diego Lopez and Pat Sabatini. And we're all about new stars here, okay? Steve Erzig, Alessandro Costa, two incredible flyweights on the prelims, all right? Tabitha Ritchie, Lupi Godinez, two incredible women's strawweights. Matus Rebecki and Narulo Alev at lightweight. That fight might have fell through, but we'll see. Nazim Sadikov and Vicheslav Borshev, two incredible lightweights. Jared Gordon is finally back, finally going to maybe get a fight in here. He's going to be taking on Mark Madsen, Mark Madsen's first fight since losing last November. You also get John Costetta and Kyung Ho Kang, Joshua Van and Kevin Borjas, two incredible flyweights, and Des Bazuksha and Jamal Emers. These are going to be some interesting prelims. I'll be watching them all, and this main card is just a cherry on the top. I'm pumped for that, but... um, yeah, we got to wait a week, sadly. All right, but Thursday, we'll be doing an entire uh, pre-show, breaking down all the fights, all my predictions, as we haven't been too bad lately. 
Also, next Thursday's episode, episode 40, we're going to be ranking my top 10 trilogies, going over uh, predictions for week 10 of the NFL, and we'll cook up a surprise topic. We'll cook up a bunch of stuff. But yeah, that's all I got for today's episode. Recapping UFC Sao Paulo, recapping week 9 of the NFL, all sorts of fun stuff. It was a good time. And uh, yeah, thank you guys for listening. You know, always happy, always open for any feedback. If you guys want to say anything, I'm always here to talk about anything. All right. Hit me up. Follow me on all the socials, the Instagrams. Follow Evergrowing Co. Follow Evergrowing Co. Evergrowing Co. IBE is um, my company. You know, if you want to buy a sweatshirt, check out the website. And Hoist, sponsor me. I like your drinks. I'll continue to tag you until you sponsor me. Or until I just forget to. So, drink Hoist, follow Zachary, and praise Jesus. Ladies and gentlemen, have an amazing week. I'll talk to you.